Hi, and welcome to another episode of the Adaptation Station podcast. If you tuned into episode 33, you heard several educators come onto the podcast to share how distance learning was working in their special education classroom. I have invited all of these educators back onto the podcast for an update. So whether you still have a couple of weeks left in the school year or you're winding things down, whether you're looking at how you're going to support your students during ESY or you're concerned about what it's going to look like in the fall, we'll have something in this podcast that will hopefully help you feel a little bit more confident as you continue to move forward in this distance learning period. I hope you enjoy and let's tune in. Welcome back to the podcast. This is part two in my BCBA study podcast series. Part one is linked in the show notes, as well as some other podcasts I've done about becoming a BCBA. But just in case you're new to my podcast and you're new to me, I'll give you a really short summary. I did my ABA coursework from 2015 to 2018. I was a public school teacher. I had just finished my master's degree and I added on a graduate certificate. I did not start working at an ABA center until 2020 and started studying for the exam in 2021. So there was a three-year gap between finishing my classes and studying for the test. So I chose to reread the entire Cooper textbook and take handwritten notes. I wanted to explain that because I don't want you to listen to this podcast and think that I am telling you to reread the textbook. If you're in school right now, there's probably not a need for you to reread the textbook because you're learning it in your classes. I just felt very rusty with the information. That being said, I also don't think you need to do anything that I say in this podcast because I think studying is a very unique process. But my goal in this podcast is really to give you the timeline. If you listen to the first one, I believe I used somewhere between 10 and 12 different resources. That's a lot. And if I just give you that list and you try and use all of them at one time, it's not going to be effective. So I thought it'd be helpful if I told you, well, I did this mini mock and this was my score. And then this is what I added afterwards to help me. It might be more useful. So we're going to walk all the way from when I started rereading the Cooper text in January to passing the exam in July. So like I just said, I reread the whole Cooper text and started taking handwritten notes. And I did that from January to April. I also made staff meds because everyone told me I had to. And I stopped using them because they were not helpful. So if something is not helping you study for the exam, don't use it. You need to find what works best for you. And rewriting all of my notes really did. So the first thing that I truly did was on April 25th. And so to put it in a smaller perspective, April 25th to July 13th is about how long I did intensive studying. So I get this question a lot, how long do you study? And it's what I see all the time. It's hard for a lot of people to answer. So I would say probably about like 12 the 13 weeks of intensive studying is what I actually ended up doing. And the first thing I did was ABA all day from ABA Mindset. It truly is an all day program. It's from 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. through Zoom where they walk you through the BCBA task list. And to be very frank, I do not recommend. I don't think that format is helpful. 12 hours is a long time to be immersed in content. The harder stuff was later in the day. I didn't find it helpful, I did not find it worth the money, and if I could go back, I wouldn't do it. But that's what I kicked my study process off with. They sent out a mini-mock as part of the package. So May 6th is when I take my first mini-mock. So I have just finished reading the Cooper text. I am working at a center 35 hours a week. 
I am getting ready to submit my application to the board because I finished supervision. I take this mini mock and I vomit. Like I might as well still be a public school teacher and not open up an ABA textbook in three years. That's how bad I did on it. So really shook my confidence. So I decided the next thing I should do is to rewrite all of those pages of notes. I had taken 44 pages of notes and I thought as I rewrote it, I could better pinpoint where I'm still struggling. For example, when I was writing all of the information about reinforcement, I didn't even have to look back at my notes because I knew that off the top of my head. So clearly that's not an area I need to do intensive studying in. When I was writing about intervals, I had to copy word for word because I didn't know it. We've pinpointed an area that I do need to do intensive studying in. So then on May 11th, I go ahead and I submit my application to sit for the board. I have finished my supervision and all of the requirements and we are chugging forward. At the same time I submit, I start using the ABA Wizard app. I believe it's $9.99. Some people like it, some people don't. I found that it worked really well for me. It's kind of a fluency style app, so it's just loaded with questions that mirror the ones you have on the exam. And so what I really liked about it was when I was making dinner and I was just waiting for a sauce to simmer, when I was a passenger in a car, when I was waiting for our client to get dropped off at work, I could open up that app, do a couple test questions, and I felt like it really helped my fluency with the terms. I also was able to take those 44 pages of handwritten notes and narrow it down to six. And so I found that to be, again, really helpful to pinpoint where am I actually struggling? And I started to make acronyms because I know acronyms can really help a lot of people get the content in their head. And just to be blunt, you need to get the content in your head for as long as it takes to pass the test. I've been a BCBA for 10 months. I don't even remember half of my acronyms and it does not impact my job because I can just pull that Cooper text out and read it. So you're really just trying to get it in your head long enough to use it and get it back out. Acronyms are beautiful for that. So also a note, May 19th, I hear from the boards, they can't locate my transcripts. And we figure out the problem is because I did my courses when I was not married, so that degree is under my maiden name. And I submitted when I was married, and so all of my identification is under my married name. Now, we had that well documented. We followed every rule, every piece of paper, everything that you were supposed to do with that scenario, they still got confused. So I just wanted to put that out there. If you're somebody that perhaps has two different names on documents, even if you think you've checked every box, go ahead and follow up because I've heard from a lot of people it's a continuous problem. But we just keep moving forward. I made acronym cards and hugged them all around the house because my idea was, okay, every time I go to the bathroom, if I have to read that acronym, maybe that will help me. Also around this time, this is about around like May 22nd, so it's been three weeks since I bombed the mini-mock, I decide I'm ready to take another mini-mock. And so I did Bill's mini-mocks. This is in the ABA study group on Facebook. I have that linked in the show notes as well. That is like the best free resource you're going to find. And so I did those and I kind of just got an idea of where I was at now. And then... I found out that they matched my transcripts and my application could be processed, so it was like go time. I'm feeling good, I feel like I'm making progress, and then on May 30th, I did Celia's mock exam, it's a 150 question mock exam, and I bombed it again. So it's been a month, bombed another mock exam. And at this point, I felt like I was a hamster on a wheel because I'm adding these things in and they're not helping. And so I'm getting like really 
Like, it's uh, such a weird feeling. I'm, like, so confident and so not confident at the same time. Very, very stressful. So, on June 4th, I am approved to take the test. And so I decide I'm going to go ahead and schedule. Even though I just bombed that mock exam, I'm going to go ahead and schedule because maybe some of it is testing anxiety. Maybe some of it is I just need to try it. And if I fail, I fail. So I go ahead and I book a test date for eight days later. Then I look at that mock that I bombed on May 30th, and that's what I focus on, trying to figure out why I got those questions wrong. On June 6th, I did another full mock, and I did a lot better on this one. I did a How to Break Down a Question webinar from Study Notes ABA, linked in the show notes, and that made me feel more confident. I also did ABA, Study Notes ABA mini mocks. Felt pretty good on those as well. The last mock I did before I took the test the first time was Roger's mini mock. And that was really eye-opening for testing strategies because what I really tracked that time was which questions that I go back and change my answer to. So I had filled it out, reviewed it, changed answers. Most of those I had the correct answer the first time. So it really was eye-opening to how I should approach the test. On June 11th, I reviewed my acronyms one more time. I go to test on June 12th, and I'm like, I've done everything I can. Wasn't quite enough. Failed the exam and cried for like 48 hours. It was okay. I'm a BCBA now, but I have gotten that test that said failed, and it sucks. It sucks like I can't explain sucks. So if you're someone that didn't see that paper, just have sympathy for those of us who did. Because it's been a year, and oh, my heart. It still sucks, but it gets better. Let me tell you what I did after that. Looking back, this should have been one of my first clues. I wasn't willing to talk about any of the terminology with the BCBAs I worked with. Well, if I couldn't chat about it in a low-stress conversational setting, how on earth did I think I could answer questions in a very high-pressure testing setting? So very first thing I did after I had my pity party is I went in and talked with a BCBA. She and I pinpointed where we really felt I was struggling. And the next thing I did, I actually did do a free class from Rogue ABA on experimental designs. That's the only thing I did from them, but I did find it really useful. So although I didn't use it, I wanted to throw them out as a resource you might want to check out. What I did was the study notes ABA one month cram. So I have been recommended the collective a bunch. And I was resisting because it is a chunk of change. Although actually, I think if I had done the collective the first time, I would have passed the first time. And it cost me more to pay to take the test a second time than it did to pay for the one month cram. So I went ahead and did it. Their collective, I want to say, takes place over like six or eight weeks. It's a live class. The one month cram is a recording of all of those classes. And you have, like it says, one month to finish it. Now, it is 20 videos. Each video is an hour and a half to two hours. So if you're going to do the one month cram, you need to schedule it. It's a commitment. But I did it, and I felt like it really gave me a path. I walked out feeling lost, and then I knew exactly what to do to keep studying. I also started the ethics book, another indicator for me. I never read the ethics book before I took the test the first time because I thought I'm a pretty ethical person. I worked in a public school for seven years. I've now worked in a clinic for two. I know what to do. Nope, those are tricky, tricky questions. I'd read it and I'd be like, all of these sound ethical. You've got to read the ethics book. And I highly recommend the student workbook. I have both of those linked in the show notes. I would say the student workbook helped me more than the actual ethics book, but you've got to cover that. 
So July 5th, I started doing ethics quizzes on Instagram. I actually have a highlight reel with all of the quizzes that I did, and I will link my Instagram in the show notes as well. But I basically walk people through questions. That is how I taught myself the content, and I really think it helps me. So if you're getting ready to take the test, you can just go watch that highlight reel, and I think it'll be really helpful for you guys as well. On July 8th, I did the FIT mock. Now, at the time of this recording, it is June 3rd, 2022. I'm not sure that FIT has a mock exam for the fifth task list. I'm not able to find the link myself. I took the fourth edition of the BCBA exam. However, if you can find it, I felt like it really mirrored what the exam was. So I took that mock exam and I did it in a simulated environment. And I thought this was a little silly, but I think it helped a ton. I wore big headphones the way I did in the testing center the first time. Because face masks were required at the time, I wore a face mask during it. I put on the actual outfit I was going to wear. I did the breaks just the way I would do the breaks in the test. I simulated everything that I could and did my mock exam. The next day, I took the results into my BCBA and we went out, went through all of it and we wrote out a draft whiteboard. So if you're taking the test, you'll get access to a whiteboard. I drafted out what I was going to put on that whiteboard and started memorizing it. Also cried really hard that night because, again, high stress scenario. July 10th, I redid Celia's mock. So if you remember, on May 30th, I did it the first time. On July 10th, I did it again. Much better this time. On July 11th, I finished the class last collective video, and I took 48 hours off of studying. I finished that video, and I did not touch a thing again because my brain needed a little bit of time. And did that time help? Yes, it did, because I walked into the test on July 13th, and I passed. And I have now been a BCBA for almost a year. I hope this was helpful. If you are studying, it's hard. You will pass. Maybe not the first time, maybe not the fifth time. You'll get there. I hope these resources were helpful. You can reach out to me. Join that study group on ABA and believe in yourself because if you don't believe in yourself, you're not going to get there. I know that was a little cheesy at the end. But seriously, I didn't believe in myself, so I didn't pass. I believed in myself, so I did. I'm here for you guys, and I'll catch you in the next one. That was just a really brief explanation on how I make my to-do list. So I stopped it at the end of the left side of the to-do list. I go back and do everything again on the right side, and then I continue to adjust the font size, the text boxes, and all of that to get it all to fit. Now, if you would like to see me do this, I do have a video tutorial that I ended up putting on my YouTube channel. Don't get too excited. I don't actually do YouTube, but I have a channel for reasons like this. So I have a place to share those videos with you guys. So you can click the link in my show notes. It'll take you to that link. It's about a 14 minute video. You see me from when I open up PowerPoint all the way to when I go to print the to-do list. I actually share my screen. So when I'm talking about moving around text boxes, you see me moving the text boxes around in PowerPoint. So if you're a visual person, that'll probably help you a ton. Again, if you end up using this method to make a to-do list, let me see them. They're so beautiful. Again, it was my keyword of the podcast, motivating. It is so motivating to have this done. And I can't wait to see what you guys make. Hope you guys enjoyed this episode of the podcast. And I think I'm going to do some more organization ones in the future because it was, was kind of fun for me to record as well. Have a great week, guys.